Brother Haley, please come preach for us. Um, and I do want to point out that clock counting upward there. Yeah, thank you. All right, it's good to be here. <clears throat> Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 9. <clears throat> And uh, appreciated the messages thus far and the singing. Amen. Good to be here. We had a good trip. This is the farthest away I've been uh, since my accident from Plant City. And the Lord's really given us uh, a lot of grace. And... Uh, seeing his providence and a lot of things uh, as he opened some doors and took care of some things for us. Amen. I'm not going to go into it at this time. Uh, I know you're probably all worn out and run down. If you have any questions about anything, I'll try to answer them before you go home uh, about my accident or anything. Some of you have asked about if I need anything. Uh, yes, if you are asking that, that means the Spirit of God has already put it on your heart to send some money. Right. And so just do it and just add another zero <laughs> and put it in the mail. <laughs> yes, before the decimal. Don't add it after the decimal. That doesn't help. That's right. But uh, we have been humbled by the Lord's churches, by the Lord. It has been a tremendous outpouring by the Lord and his people. I have been amazed. People I don't know, churches I don't know. Uh, it has been just unbelievable. Amen. And we thank God for those, each one, for their caring. Thank the church here and her pastor, his family, for their help. He's been more than generous, wanting to make sure. I want to thank you all for encouraging and helping him come out. We had a Thanksgiving service back in October. And it was, uh, he was coming, whether he was invited or not, he said. And uh, he came out, we asked him to preach. And it was, it was instrumental that he was there to preach for us. He was instrumental in my care all the way from here in the care of my wife. Uh, she spent a lot of time on the phone with him. And... Uh, his wife, I'm sure, and really helped her through a lot of things. Uh, I probably, my wife and I, we probably need to write a book to the glory of the Lord Amen. of all that he did. Right. I can't tell you. If we did, we'd leave stuff out, I'm sure. But Isaiah 9, verse 6, I appreciate what Brother Larry said 
about the Christophanies and the Theophanies. I'm going to completely ignore it and preach this because the Bible says my father and I are one. Uh-huh. And so I'm just going to preach this anyways, Brother Larry. So there. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And I want to speak about the shoulder of the Lord. The shoulder of the Lord. And I've preached on this before. And I will be honest with you, I've taken a shoulder or shoulders for granted. I now only have one. I never thought I'd say that. I have about a half inch of my right collarbone left. I don't have any, uh, uh, I have what's called a four-point amputation. Uh, they completely removed my right arm, and all I have over here, if you touch it, is just the rib cage underneath your, uh, your shoulder over there, as we commonly call it. Uh, there's ribs. Uh, you don't normally get to feel that, but that's, there's rib cage there. And uh, that's all I've got. And then there's just a little bit of collar, collarbone right here, just about a half inch, maybe right there. And there's nothing to hook anything to. And you're surprised. It's surprising how much, uh, you know, your collarbone and your shoulder do. Um. But I want to look here. The Bible says, concerning the Lord, it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. The Hebrew for shoulder, according to Strong's Concordance, is Shechem. And the whole phrase, shall be upon his shoulder, corresponds to this one word, one word, Shechem. And I'd like you to turn over, if you would, to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And I learned this some years ago from a, a fellow minister of God. And this was just a wonderful thing to me. A great help as I was dealing with some things that were uh, quite... Uh, uh, just difficult in my life. And I want you to read with me here in just a few passages. You're probably familiar where God called Abraham. And he called him out of the land of Ur of Chaldees. And he says, I want you to go to a place that I'm going to tell you to. And so he departed. And I know he delayed in different things, but... I want you to look here and to these verses in the Bible. <clears throat> the Bible tells us in verse 4, it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and 
Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Moray. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Now, the Bible tells us that the first place that God appeared unto him in the land of Canaan was there in verse 6, under the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Moray. And so here he is. He goes to the land of Canaan, and he gets there. And the first place is the place of Sikkim and the, uh, the plain of Moray. And these two words, the uh, Moray means uh, teacher or teaching. And as we already said, Sikkim means shoulder. And it was the land uh, which means uh, it, it signifies that this was the place that God was going to teach Abraham to depend upon God. It's the place where God was going to teach Abraham to lean on his shoulder or to be carried upon him. And you think about it in this way, you know, when a player gets injured on the field, how they'll pick him up and they'll they'll kind of carry him off the field, you know. Or, you know, in, in military or different things, you know, they'll uh, hoist them up over their shoulder and they'll run them off and out of the out of harm's way. God was going to teach Abraham that you are going to have to depend upon me. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to carry you through. And this is what every child of God is going to have to learn that we're going to have to lean upon his shoulder. Amen. Amen. And this was where God called him to. And it's the first place God called him to. And so when God calls you out of your land of Ur of Chaldees, when he calls you out of the place where you're worshiping idols, and that's what Abram was. He was an idol worshiper. He wasn't a good Christian. He wasn't a good Jew. And then God called him. He was an idol worshiper because that's what they were in the land of Ur of Chaldees. And God called him, and he believed on the Lord. We know the Bible tells us that. And the Bible tells us here, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Right. And that's what it takes. The Bible says we're begotten with the word of God. Right. And the brother spoke on that. He mentioned that. And so he followed the Lord, and he comes into the land of Canaan, and God brings him to this place providentially. And he comes to the, this very place. And remember, names are always significant in the Bible. 
Now, there might be some times we go, I cannot figure this out. I've looked at every commentary. I've looked at every strong concordance I got. I cannot figure out this name. Right. We don't know what it means. Right. But there's some significance to it. And this place is called, it is a place where God was going to teach Abraham to depend on him, to lean on his shoulder. Amen. And that's what Canaan is. It's not a type of heaven. It is a type of our life, our earthly pilgrimage on this earth. That's what it is. It's our walk because you find uh, the Jews, you find the Hebrews, Joshua, what do they do? They go in and throughout the book of Joshua, what do they do? They fight. Well, there's not going to be any fighting in heaven. And so this is a type of our earthly pilgrimage here on this life, depending on God. And the Bible tells us in our text, the government is what's going to be upon the shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean by the government? Well, it means the empire, the rule, the government, or the dominion is going to be upon his shoulder. The authority is on his shoulder. Well, which government? Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. You know, there's a lot of governments, aren't there? 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15. I mean, there's, there's a lot of governments, aren't there? Yeah. So which government is going to be on his shoulder? Well, all government, uh-huh. without exception. Uh-huh. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15, it says, referring unto the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. He's going to show it. Very good. John Gill wrote, not only concerning this, he said, not only of the world in general, but of the church in particular, this child is born to royal dignity. He is king of saints. His government consists in the hearts of his people. We don't act like it. We don't act like he's actually ruling in our hearts. Yeah. We should. Bible says he turneth the king's hearts as the rivers of water, whithersoever he pleaseth. But we don't act like he turneth our hearts. Right. It says he rules in the hearts of his people, enacting laws for them and causing them to submit unto them and subduing their enemies and protecting them, their persons and properties rights and liberties and in supplying them with everything necessary 
Do we conduct ourselves in that fashion? Not really. We act like everything's being taken away from us. Yeah. Is not everything falling out exactly as he said it would be? Is it? Sounds just like it is. Yeah. It's exactly like Christ said it would be. It's exactly like God spoke it would be, isn't it? Right. If it wasn't going the way the Bible said it would be, then we ought to be concerned. Right. Exactly. But it's going exactly the way he said it was. This government is delegated to him from his father, is devolved upon him, by him, is not of this world, but is spiritual, it is righteously administered, is peaceable, and will continue forever, and it's being said to be upon his shoulders, is an allusion to magistrates having a key or rod laid on their shoulders as ensigns of their office or carried by their officers for them. And it shows that it was laid upon him or enjoyed by his father, though not against his will. And it denotes a weight of honor and care borne by him, whose shoulders are fit for the same and equal to it. Isn't that a marvelous thing? There are certain men who, you know, they're, they're, it's kind of like, you know, we saw in England... The queen died and an individual becomes king because he's next in line for the throne. Whether he's fit to be king or not, it's because he's next in line. But the government, it's put on his shoulders, isn't it? Whether he's fit or not. But Christ, he is absolutely fit for the government to be upon his shoulders. Amen. Very good. Observe, if you would, in our text of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, that the government has been laid solely and wholly upon his shoulders. Look at that text. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Doesn't say it'll be upon his shoulder and somebody else's to help carry the burden. Right. It's on his shoulder alone. Yeah, it sure is. It's not a three-branch government, is it? Is it? It's a, a one-branch dictatorship. Right. It's a monarchy. Yeah. He's the king. He's the he's the executive, the judicial, and the legislative branch all in one. All in one. And he doesn't need any help. He has an incontestable right to govern. 
an incontestable right to govern. Right. I mean, in that what we read in the book of Revelation that he's the one who he's he comes and they ask about the deeds or, or who has the uh, ability to open up the seals. Who is it? It's Christ. He's the only one with authority. He's got the ability to open up the seals, and it shows that he's the only one with the right to rule and reign. Amen. 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 Very, very correct. He did not lay it upon the shoulders of the church, a pastor, a deacon, a church member, anyone else. He right. put it upon the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Now, the Bible tells us, if you look over in Job chapter 31, the book of Job chapter 31, I want to read here a, a verse. What do we do with our shoulders? Because again, as has been mentioned, God doesn't have shoulders, does he? He's a spirit. Now Christ, the Bible tells us that God was incarnate in the flesh. Right. You know, Christ, he has shoulders because he was he was he was man. But God, he condescends to us, doesn't he? Yeah. So we can understand some things. Because we can't understand the infinite. No, we cannot. And so in his mercy and grace, you know, it's like has been said by the brethren, you know, Brother Larry says, you know, God didn't have an arm, but he, he condescends so we can understand. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, you know, we sing that hymn under his wings, and you read in the Bible about the wings uh, of the Lord. He doesn't have wings, but he condescends so we can understand some principles of, of him. I never thought he had wings, but, you know, he's not like a cherubim or a seraphim or any of those creatures, is he? No. But you, you have this so we can understand some things about him. But you think about it, <clears throat> and what are the shoulders used for? Well, they're used to as a burden bearing, aren't they? I mean, when you carry something heavy, what do you do? You throw it up on your shoulders. And in Job 31, if you would, and, and notice verse 36, it says, Surely... I would take it upon my shoulders and bind it as a crown to me. And so the reference here is, is that it's going to be laid up on one's shoulders. And you ever, you ever see uh, oxen when they get yoked? 
Where do they put it? They put it up on their shoulders, don't they? And they yoke them together, don't they? And they bear the weight of the cart or whatever they're carrying. Well, the Bible tells us here, and it shows here that the government, the rule, the empire, the dominion, all of it, the whole load has been laid upon the shoulder of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he shall bear it. Amen. He will not crumble underneath of it. No, he will not. He will sustain it. He will uphold it. Look over in Isaiah 22. Isaiah chapter 22. I believe that if any other were to try to take this place or try to bear this load, they would crumble underneath of it. Isaiah chapter 22. And I want to read verse 22. Again, here we see, and again, a key speaks of authority. If you have a key to get into a building, to get into a place, what do you have? You have authority, don't you? You know, when I was in law enforcement, we'd have an alarm go off at a building, and we'd show up, and we'd, we'd check to see, make sure nobody was broken in. We would, we would have to call, or we would get a hold of the 911 system. We'd say, well, get a hold of the key holder. That was a person who had the authority for that place. They were in charge of it, whether it be the owner or somebody who had that, that authority. Well, in Isaiah 22 and verse 22, it says, And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. Who's he referring to? The Lord. Right. None other than the Lord. Did not Jesus come and say, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth? And then he sent forth his church. He said, We've got all authority. Or I've got all authority. I'd like you to notice as well what else has been placed on his shoulders or what else is on his shoulders. Turn over to the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. The Gospel of Luke chapter 15. Here the Lord speaks in a parable. And I believe that it's quite clear that the Lord was speaking and he's giving a lesson on salvation. And I'd like to read here in Luke chapter 15, <clears throat> verse 1 down through verse 7. And I'd like you to notice here what it is that's laid up upon his shoulder. Verse 1, it said, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, what man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? 
Yeah. And when he hath found it, he layeth it where? On his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Right. Now you notice there his response, verse 3 through 7, and really a lot of this chapter, the remaining of this chapter, his response was to verse 2, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. That's kind of the attitude of a lot of Baptists today. About a lot of people who are doing the Lord's work. Right. Who are actually doing the Lord's work. <gasps> He's, he's, he's telling lost people the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Good. The pure gospel. Notice here. The one seeking the lost sheep is Christ. The lost sheep are none other than Lord's lost sheep. Right. Finding them is indicative of salvation. And what does the Lord do as the good shepherd to his sheep when he finds them? Verse 5. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. The sheep is laid up on his shoulders. There the sheep is born. And Christ does not do it begrudgingly, no. but rather rejoicingly. Right, right. I tell you, we ought to rejoice when Christ saves a sinner. Yes, we should. He layeth it on his shoulders. Christ, as the Bible tells us, he bears our griefs. The Bible tells us that all of our iniquities have been laid upon him. Think about that. The very shoulders that were beaten and whipped, bloodied with the whips by the Roman soldiers and the very ones that were sun-beaten and then bore your iniquities. Right. Now bared you rejoicingly. Praise the Lord. A 
And you know what? There's no mention of him dropping the sheep, is there? No. Now, if the father has seen fit to put his shoulder, the government, or excuse me, to put the government upon his shoulder, then his shoulder will be able to bear up the government. And if his shoulders is where he puts us, when he saves us, then will they not be able to bear us up and keep us? Right. And if when he saves us, as he did Abram, and he calls us into the land of Canaan, as he did Abram, and he says, I want you to, the very place that he appeared on Abram is the land of Sikkim in the plain of Moreh, a place where he is teaching Abram to learn to lean upon his shoulders, and that is a type unto you and I to learn to lean upon his shoulders. Yeah. Ought we not to learn to lean upon his shoulders too in our yeah. earthly pilgrimage? Yeah. Good. <clears throat> Can his shoulders not support the weight of the government of the universe in 2023 and now as we head into 2024 if he does not come, as the expression is, if the Lord tarries? Can his shoulders not support the government of the universe? Surely it can. Do you remember in the book of Acts when the Lord's church, you know, in the early chapters and then after Saul of Tarsus was converted and became the Apostle Paul, do you remember that part where they were all worried and they were all freaking out about the Roman Empire falling apart and, and they were all worried about that and they quit doing the Lord's work and quit evangelizing? Me neither. But that's what we're doing in the United States. We're more concerned about the United States falling apart than we are about doing the work of the, that God gave us, which is to do the work of evangelism. Right, right. It's going to happen. But the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. The government of his church is on his shoulders. It's going to happen. Let it go. It's going to happen. The Roman Empire fell. The British Empire fell. Empires fall. That's what they do. Yeah. 
but his kingdom will not. And his church has perpetuity. Last of all, turn over to Romans 8, and we'll close with this. Ooh, I'm one minute over. That's pretty good for me. Romans 8. Can his shoulders support the work of the Lord's church? Absolutely. Can his shoulders bear me about through all my earthly pilgrimage? I think I stand before you as an example that it can. Right. I didn't mean to. It was not my intent. I had rather not. Amen. Romans eight thirty two. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. The shoulders of the Lord. Amen. Very good. Brother, you come now. Thank you, brother. Amen. Thank you. Without exception, all three of these kids over here, they used to love it when I would just pick them up and throw them as hard, you know, just high as they could, just wide mouth grins. You could see it in the back of them, their smiles. And then I put them on, on my shoulders and, you know, just this way and that way, like they was riding a roller coaster or an airplane or something. Just loved it until there was a point where they didn't. Why not? Tell me if I'm wrong. Two reasons why you didn't want me to do that to you anymore. Number one, you didn't trust me. See, they're wagging their heads. They didn't trust me anymore. Number two, they thought they could do it better on their own than they could on my shoulders. Right? Yeah. You don't, You thought you traversing around on your own feet was easier than riding on my shoulders, right? See? Yeah, see. Children of God, we should rest on the children, the shoulders of God. Yeah. Right. 
We shouldn't be afraid on his shoulders. We should be totally confident in his ability to bear us on our shoulders. When when I get down and anxious and the world's caving in on me and I get all these problems and depression and all this kind of stuff, what is it? Has God's shoulder weakened? Or is it me trying to do things my way and say, you know what, I don't, I don't need your shoulder today, Lord. I, I can govern myself. Right? What happens? I start doubting him, I start having confidence in me, and then I realize I can't do it, and then then I'm in a mess. Right? He touched on something. Look over in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm not on the program, but you're going to hear little sermonettes from me throughout the weekend. uh, Ephesians chapter 1, look at this. Talk about trust. Some people have trust issues, and you're looking at somebody that's got trust issues. Um, But look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. In whom we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Is that, is that an entity? Is God worthy of trust? Yeah. Yeah. Verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory, look, who first trusted in Christ. God Almighty trusts in Jesus Christ. I think he is worthy of trust right i think his shoulder is worthy of of being trusted in so then yes government shall be upon his shoulders where is my life where is your life does it rest on the shoulders of god almighty sinner you're trusted in yourself 100 percent right and outside of trusting in Jesus Christ, there is nothing but condemnation ahead of you. I encourage you to trust in Jesus Christ, whom God first trusted in. Trust his gospel, that he died, was buried, and rose again for the offenses of his people. Trust the Lord. That's right. Very good, brother. Uh, brother White, please come lead us in a song at this time. <laughs>